Put my phone on airplane mode before I forget. Because it's Wednesday night, it's out of the ordinary for me. We our wins our midweek service is on Thursday, uh, so you never know what's what's going to happen—a call, a text, a something—and uh, so I'll try to pay attention and turn that off there. But thank you for being in church tonight and uh, being here for the Word of God. And I know that our church has been. Uh, filling in and helping out, and we are glad to be able to do it. And we've been continuing to pray for your pastor and uh, continuing to pray that the Lord would heal him in his time and in his will. Uh, and I'm glad that you're here tonight to be faithful and uh, to let him know that we're still we're still going forward, just like he'd want you to, just like pastor would want you to. Keep going forward, keep doing, serving the Lord, and uh, keep... Uh, doing what he wants you to do. So my son and I came down tonight. We're glad uh, to be here. We've been rotating people through. So Sunday is, um, this Sunday is Brother Grimes is going to be with you again. So he'll be, he's been the, he's been the regular. I mean, he's been, he's been the regular from our church there for a while. This month we tried to break it up a little bit. I told Brother Grimes that I'm going to give you a break, Brother Grimes. You know, he's like, I'm doing it. I'm ready to go. But I know what it's like working a full-time job and trying to prepare and and all that. So I said, we're going to give you a little bit of a break and spread it out. So I believe you had our associate pastor, Aaron Riddle. He was here last week. And uh, so hopefully he did a good job for you. And so uh, he's a good preacher. I don't worry about him. And uh, so my family and I, we are actually going uh, on vacation uh, Saturday. We're leaving Saturday. We're going on vacation. So... Uh, Pastor Aaron is taking all of our services, and Brother Grimes is going to be here, and so we have other people filling in for Sunday school. That's we're just juggling everybody around, you know. It'll be fine. Uh, and if it, if not, I don't know. Can you burn it down in a week or so? Maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? And uh, so we'll find out. I guess we'll find out how that goes, but. Um, so let's see. Oh, and last time I was here, my wife had broken her ankle. If you remember that, uh, she had broken her ankle. And so she had the surgery. Uh, she had the plate and the screws put in it. And uh, so she recently had the main screw taken back out. They just they wanted to have it come out just so no future complications. So she has that out. She's walking better. She's still limping a little bit and it's trying to gain some flexibility and stuff back. But we're a long way from where we were last time I was here, I can tell you that. And so praise the Lord for that. And that's why we kind of said, all right, we didn't get to do hardly anything this year just because she was down. I said, we're going to try to go on vacation. So we're going to spend a week uh, doing that. But uh, praise the Lord. Thank you for those that have prayed uh, for that there. And we're, we're on our way. So uh, Philippians chapter number three this evening. Philippians chapter number three. <clears throat> Again, thank you for being here. My son didn't want to be the only one that I had to zero in on, you know. He needs to just come down off and just point right at him, you know, like he's at home or something. But So he's glad that there's more here tonight. But Philippians chapter number 3, uh, this is going to be a little kind of teaching and preaching together here uh, for this tonight. Philippians chapter number 3. And we're going to start reading here, let's see, I don't want to read the whole chapter just for sake of time, although 
when Paul writes, if you've ever noticed when Paul writes, sometimes he writes a verse, or for us it's a verse, and then there's a comma, and then there's a verse, and then there's a comma, and you get nine verses down, and you're like, he would have failed some of my English teachers, for sure. They would have written in the margin, run-on sentences, you know. Uh, so he just keeps some of those thoughts going continuously there. But Philippians chapter number three, let's go ahead uh, and read in uh, verse number seven. Uh, he Verse one through six, he goes down through there and he gives all of his credentials. He says, all these things, uh, I am all these things uh, by birth and, and all this stuff. But verse uh, number seven, he says, but what things were gained to me? He says, uh, those I counted loss for Christ. Uh, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that's what he thought of it, that I may win Christ, Philippians chapter number 3, uh, verse number 9, and be found in him, he says he, he won Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. A lot of Paul's credentials were, well, I was born uh, an Israelite, and I'm a Benjamin, Benjamite, and I was a Pharisee, so uh, I, had, I was not only born as a, a Jew and as an Israelite of God's chosen people, but as a Pharisee, so I studied the law, and I went to school, and I was learned, and he goes through his thing, I've done this, and I've done this other thing, and I've done this other thing, and he says, but all of those things that people would look at and say, oh... Wow, he's this, you know. Uh, he says, I counted that all but lost. And he says, I actually lost it all because when he took the stand for Christ, all those Jewish things, uh, they looked at him and they despised him because of his association with Christ. Uh, and so he said, I've lost all those things and I count those but lost. Uh, and he says, because my righteousness, and this is, now this is the Mike Sherry version, right? My righteousness is, it doesn't count for anything. Uh, that's what he's saying in verse number 9. He's saying, but the righteousness which is of God by faith, and that faith is in Christ. When you get saved, when you bow your heart and you bow your pride to and, and turn your faith from whatever it was that you were or are possibly tonight trusting in other than Jesus Christ to get you to heaven. What happens is when you put that aside and you turn towards Jesus Christ and accept Christ as the only way to heaven, then God gives you, the Bible term, would, one of the Bible terms would be impute. He imputes God's righteousness to you and to me. Say, what does that mean? That means my efforts of righteousness are going to fall way short of God's requirement of perfection to get into heaven. My attempts, my best attempts, uh, I was fortunate enough to be saved as a young child and to be raised in a Christian home and to have a King James Bible put on my lap. And all these things that I'm going to stand before God and be accountable for, <laughs> all the blessings and also the accountability, all these things that God placed into my life and gave me those things, and kept me from some of the sin of the world, and kept me from a lot of the obvious things that we would look at and say, oh, that's bad, and that other thing's bad. The Lord kept me from a lot of that by His grace and mercy. But my 
attempts of being a good person and living right fall way short of the righteousness that God gives us when we put our faith in his son. And uh, that's what happens uh, when we get saved. And so Paul says, the righteousness which is of God by faith, verse number 10. Paul says, and you can see the continuance here, Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now, I don't have enough time to break down all these verses tonight, so we're just going to keep moving. If you have any questions, uh, ask me afterwards. Uh, not as though I had already attained. He says, uh, I, I, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, and I want to be made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain. But he says, not as though I had already attained. Either we're already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. I'll explain it here in a moment. Verse 13. This is where we're going to end up being. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. All right, so we're going to be in verse 13 and 14 tonight. And in verse number 14, 13, he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. See, what he's saying in verse number 12 is, uh, he's saying, I'm trying to apprehend or take hold of what Christ has taken hold of me to do. If you remember Paul's story, he was called Saul at the time, but in Acts chapter number 9, uh, there's Saul, and he's getting ready to go persecute some more Christians, because that's what he did. And he meets the Lord. And the Lord comes down and uh, speaks to him uh, and supernaturally speaks to Paul. Uh, and, and Paul says, yes, Lord. He sees a light and he's like pretty, pretty nerved, unnerved about the whole situation. Uh, and he meets the Lord. And, and what the Lord does is the Lord calls out Paul in Acts chapter number nine and says, you know what I've called you to do? I've called you to go and be a light to the Gentiles. That's what I've called you to do. I've apprehended you. I have taken hold of you for a specific purpose. Uh, and the reality is, the practical application is, the Lord has a purpose for all of us. The Lord doesn't have a purpose just for the guy standing up here. The Lord has a purpose for all of us. Uh, the Lord has a purpose and something for you and I to do for him. Now, that job might be different. The Lord might never call you to stand up here and to preach or pastor or do those things. He might never call you to do that. Uh, but he has something for you to do. We all have something to do for the Lord. And when we get saved and give uh, little by little, as you get saved and grow in the Lord, you give more of yourself to the Lord. That's the plan. That's that's the hope. That's the hope of every pastor, is that everyone continues to give of themselves to the Lord. And when you do that, the Lord says, I have something for you to do. Uh, every one of you here are able to reach people and influence people and help people uh, and be a testimony and a light for Jesus Christ, uh, where you go and where you are and where you work and all the places, I, I will never have that outreach that you have in your community and where you are and where the Lord's put you. I won't. He's put me somewhere else. He's put me an hour up the highway. <laughs> he's, he's put me an hour up there, and that's the place where I can have a testimony and the places that I shop where I can talk to people. And the, the people that I meet that I get to have an influence over, hopefully for the Lord Jesus Christ.
So he's given you something to do. And Paul, he says, listen, I'm trying to grab a hold of that thing that the Lord has grabbed a hold of me to do. That might not be the best grammar, but hopefully you understand what, what Paul is trying to say. And so he says, uh, I, he says in verse 13, he says, I count not myself to be apprehended. He's like, I'm not, I'm not everything that I should be. I'm not everything that the Lord wants me to be and is trying to mold me and make me to be. He says, but this one thing I do. Uh, it's not the only thing that Paul does, right? If we, we, that'd be a big Bible study. <laughs> it's not the only thing that Paul does in his attempts to serve the Lord. It's not the only thing. He says, but this one thing I do. I certainly do this one thing. Uh, he says, forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting. Now, if forgetting things made you spiritual, that would be my superpower. All right. If, if forgetting simple things, I have an amazing memory of recall, but it seems to be everything that was probably five plus years ago. Someone would be like, do you remember this? And I'm like, yeah, I remember exactly this. And I can recall this conversation and I can tell you this other thing about that situation and this conversation and this thing that went down. But what exactly I did yesterday? <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> Not sure about that. Uh, and so, um, if, if just simply forgetting things made you spiritual, I'd be up there. I'd be up there. I'd be, I'd be pretty spiritual, but that's not what he says. He says, forgetting those things which are behind, forgetting those things which are behind. I'm going to turn to some scriptures here tonight and look at a couple things. Now, there's some things that we shouldn't forget. He doesn't say forget everything. All right. He doesn't say that, uh, here's what I do. I haven't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not 100% there yet. I mean, I'm not saying that I, that, uh, I'm all the way spiritual, but this one thing I do, I just forget everything that's in the past. No, he doesn't say to do that. He doesn't say to do that. Look in Deuteronomy chapter number eight. Deuteronomy chapter number eight. Deuteronomy chapter number 8. <clears throat> Let's look in verse number 11. We'll start reading here. Deuteronomy chapter number 8, verse number 11. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God. In not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, lest when thou hast eaten and art full, and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied. When thy heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt, he's talking to the Israelites, of course, from the house of bondage, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, and where there was no water, who brought thee, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of Flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee and he might prove thee to do thee good at the latter end. And thou say in thine heart, my power and the might of mine hand have gotten me this wealth. That's what happens when you forget the Lord. 
But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, and he that may establish his covenant, which you swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. And it shall be, if thou do it all, forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship them, I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroyeth before your face, so shall ye perish, because ye would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. We shouldn't forget the Lord. We shouldn't forget what the Lord's done for us. Even when things, you know, I heard that your pastor did a series on Psalm 23, and we're not going to get into sheep tonight, but, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And there's times in this life when, uh, because the rain falleth on the just and the unjust, and there's times when the, it seems like you're walking in the valley. The mountaintops that feel like when you're closest to the Lord and everything's going great and the sun's shining and everything's fantastic and the bills are paid and everybody's healthy. But there's those valley times where you say, Lord, I'm still trying to serve you, but where are you? It seems pretty dark down here. I don't feel like I'm as close to you as I maybe once was. Even in those times, we can't forget how good the Lord's been to us. Now, I I, I told you just a couple things about uh, my background in growing up is... I grew up in a Christian home. I had a King James Bible put in my lap. Uh, and uh, I was saved when I was a child. Uh, and if I stopped right there, I have enough today to thank the Lord for, even in the difficult times. Even when things are rough, and things do get rough sometimes. Uh, and so even when that happens, I have enough to say, okay, Lord, thank you. Thank you for giving me your perfect word. Thank you for letting me be raised with with salvation and, and an understanding of uh, of your of the scriptures and and putting me under the right teaching. Not that I got it all the first time I heard it, but you put me in the right place and and not having to overcome false doctrine. And maybe some of you know about that. Once you you once you had your eyes open to the word of God and salvation according to the scriptures, you said, "What was I doing all those years? And why were they telling me this stuff?" What What's happening? Um, and so you could look back in your life, and if you're saved and born again, you're sitting here tonight in a Bible-believing church, and although not everything's perfect tonight because you got me instead of your pastor, right? And we've been praying for his health and all that. Even though not everything's perfect, uh, the Lord's been good to you. The Lord's been good to you. And if you have a little food in your stomach and you had some gas in your car to get here and you got into the car and you turned the key and it turned on and got you here tonight safely, I don't know about getting home, I can't make you those promises. But you got here, praise the Lord for it. Praise the Lord. We can't forget how good the Lord's been to us. Look in Proverbs chapter number 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter number 3, look here in verse number 1. The Bible says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. And we understand as we look at the Old Testament, and we, we can know the difference between the law and the Psalms and the prophets, and, uh, and we can know there's some, there's some difference there. Uh, and so the law, you can say, is the first five books of the Bible, but you can also say that the law is... Also, maybe the Old Testament kind of encompassing a lot of the law and the different things. Uh, and he says, my son, forget not my law. 
we shouldn't forget the law and the commandments of the Lord. Uh, the Lord will speak to you, and as you continue to grow in the Lord and walk in the Lord, He'll continue to speak to you, and He'll continue to reveal things unto you. Things that wouldn't have made any sense at all when you first got saved. About how to carry yourself as a Christian, or what is uh, what you should do, or what you shouldn't do. Uh, and you continue to learn that as you continue to grow in the Lord. And uh, so, uh, but don't forget it. Don't forget it. It seems like our mind is pretty selective. If we decide we want to do something uh, in our own flesh, and and we know the Lord isn't, it doesn't want us to do it, but yet we've justified it to ourselves. We seem to forget that the Lord told us that at one time. Oh, I don't, I don't think the Lord ever said anything about that before. Now, we, we're pretty selective, but you hear things in the preaching, and you hear things out of the Word of God, and the Lord comes down and speaks to you. And what does that mean? Don't forget it. Don't forget it. That's why it's good sometimes when the Lord shows you something big uh, and sometimes the Lord does reveal something big to you and you say, boy, I never knew that before. I didn't know I should do that. I need to start doing that. Or I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that. I need to quit doing that. When the Lord reveals something to you like that, you know what you should do? Write it down. Write it down somewhere so that you can go back and say, oh yeah, this was the day and the time when the Lord said to do this. Uh, because you, you'll, the Bible says we deceive ourselves. And we'll lie to ourselves and we'll forget about it. I worked with teenagers for years and years. I worked with teenagers for 18 years in New York, uh, Western New York. And uh, it's amazing. I understand teenagers can't remember anything, right? I got one right here to testify. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that witness right there. Uh, he's like, what am I witnessing? Exactly. Exactly. And so um, I worked with teenagers for years and years and years. And I used to have them, uh, we'd have a youth rally or we'd have the camp or a kind of teenage directed meetings. And after every meeting that we'd be in the next class, whenever that next class was for, for the teens, and I'd say, okay, get out a piece of paper, write down what the Lord spoke to you about. And then I'd say, turn it in. You don't have to sign your name to it if you don't want to, but I know your penmanship anyway, just turn it in. Now write it down, turn it in. And what was that? That was so they wrote it down. That's why they gave it to me, which made them a little bit accountable. Because every once in a while, you know, especially in the later years, I'd, I'd keep those and sometimes I'd take a picture of that and I'd send it to, you know, by the, by the time they're adults or whatever, I'd send it to them and say, hey, how you doing on this list? And sometimes I knew they weren't doing good on the list. And I'd send it to them and say, hey, how you doing on the list? Remember when the Lord spoke to you about this? And why? Because they'd forget. They'd forget. We shouldn't forget what the Lord tells us and how the Lord directs us. Look in Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 4. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 4. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. The Lord will give you wisdom might not seem like it. Uh, it might not seem like you have a lot of wisdom because uh, I know for me, right about the time I think I finally figured something out, well, it's like the Lord just never gives me that problem anymore. He's got new ones for me not to know. <laughs> so every time I think like, I got some wisdom from that experience, I don't have that experience anymore. I have some new experience where I don't have the wisdom for the new experience. And then you go back on your knees and say, God, help me. I need understanding. I need wisdom. I need to know what to do. 
And when you're going through those things in your life and the Lord gives you some wisdom, uh, it's going to come back around. And we're not to forget it. So there are certainly some things, and we could go on and on about that tonight. There are certainly things that we shouldn't forget. But Paul does say in Philippians chapter number 3, he does say, uh, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting those things which are behind. There are some things that you should forget. There are some things you should forget. Uh, you should forget your past successes for the Lord. Say, wait a minute. But those are positive things. I want to remember the positive things. Don't I want to remember the good things that the Lord told me to do, and then he gave me the strength, and I put forth a little bit of faith and some effort, and the Lord helped me accomplish those things. Don't I want to remember those good things? Yes, but what happens is uh, Christians tend to rely on those good things in from last week or last year and then get lazy going forward. The idea is we're to keep going forward for the Lord. So if we're saying, yeah, well, if I say, well, I remember when I preached that one message one time, and boy, God moved, and uh, people got right with God, or or they, they sent me texts, and they said, boy, that message was a blessing, or uh, more than normal people shook my hand after the service to say, Pastor, we appreciated that message. If I just sit there and go, yeah, I remember that one time. Boy, that must have been a good message. And I know it was the Lord. He helped me. But man, that was good. Then coming this Sunday, what's going to happen? Oh, I know exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be a dud. Uh, have you ever heard a preacher preach a dud? Don't admit to that. You can't admit to that in front of a preacher. All right. But what happens? Well, we know. We know. Those of us that preach, we know. Sometimes, boy, it feels like the Lord's just filling our mouths and we're saying stuff out of the scriptures and it's like, this is all going way too good. And the Lord just blesses it and the time and and things just going right. And then there's other times you're trying to preach a message. If I can't be like three thoughts ahead when I'm preaching, then I'm pretty much behind. If I'm like trying to think of the very next thing to say because I just put a period on that last sentence, I'm... Uh, uh, I'm doing a lot of that. That's what I feel like I'm doing. Not every message is a home run. Not every message is exactly what everybody needed. Not everything is, uh, you know, brings revival and, and great repentance and all that kind of stuff. I certainly understand that. But what, what happens is when we, when we look back all the time and say, man, look at those successes that I've had in the Lord with his help. And we're not just being totally braggadocious and proudful. We're saying, look what the Lord allowed me to do. Then we're looking back here and we're supposed to be going that way. And we can't be ready for any successes that the Lord wants for us moving forward. We need to say, thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Something was done for you. And I'm going to put those behind me. I'm going to snap off the rearview mirror so that I can just keep looking at the road ahead. And I can just keep going down the road for what the Lord wants for me. Sometimes we need to forget successes. We also need to forget failures. Because those come too. And if failures are the ones that'll, that'll get us the most. Those are the ones that'll get us the most. Because if you're trying to serve the Lord and you're trying to love God and you're trying to do what he wants you to do and no matter where you are in your Christian walk for the Lord, no matter what your understanding of that even is, how do I please the Lord? 
Sometimes preachers, we say stuff and we make assumptions and we just say things like, you need to please the Lord with your life. You need to walk in the Spirit. And I've learned uh, enough not to take any of those things for granted because some people go, I don't know, I don't understand what walking in the Spirit means. I don't understand that I'm supposed to please the Lord with my life. I don't understand that. And maybe to you, those are easy terminologies, but if you're, if you're coming from a certain area or you're just getting into church or different things that are happening, you have, you, you just don't know. You don't know what you don't know. It's not anybody's fault. It's not. God, what, what do you mean? Yeah, what do you mean you don't know what it means to walk in the Spirit? No, because there's all kinds of different levels of growth. And so uh, if you're trying to do something for the Lord, if you're trying to listen to what the Lord has for you and then live according to what He shows you from His Word, if you're trying to do that, uh, there's going to be some failures. There's going to be some times when you say, okay, I know I should do this, and then you don't do it. There's some times when you say, I know I shouldn't do that, Lord. I repent of it. I never want to do it again. And you find yourself doing it again. And there's some failures. And you say, I thought I thought I was done with that. I thought I was over that. I thought I had victory over whatever that thing was. And I thought I, I, thought I was going to be able to put my trust in the Lord and, and be the witness he wanted me to be. And now the fear of man's coming back in. And I blew my opportunity. And I didn't witness to that person. Or I didn't even give him a track. I didn't do anything. And we get some failures, and sometimes those failures can pile up. They do in my life. And I was like, Lord, here I am again, repenting of the same thing. And they pile up, but you know what we need to do? We need to ask repentance. We need to repent of that sin or that uh, whatever it is that God's dealing with you about. And repent of it, say, Lord, I want to do better. And what do we need to do? We need to forget it. We need to forget about it. We need to put it in the past. You know, the Lord forgets things. When you ask the Lord to to forgive you of sin, you know the Lord forgets way better than you do. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful the Lord's not keeping tally. All right? Now, we all know, we've all met some individuals, we all know some people that it seems like they're always keeping record, you know? Oh, I said a dumb thing. They're like, yeah, that's the third one this week, you know? You're like, ugh, my fault. You know what the Lord does, though, when you when you say, Lord, I'm sorry, Please forgive me of that. I mean, First John chapter number one. You know, if we're faithful, if that's confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm glad that when He forgives, He doesn't remember. He puts it off to the side. He's He's done with it. Uh, I'm glad we serve a God like that. But you and I aren't necessarily all. I mean, look in. Look in Jeremiah 31. Sorry. I'm deciding here where I want to go and where I don't want to go. We're going to cut some of these out just for the sake of time. Jeremiah chapter number 31. Now this is a promise that God gives to the nation of Israel. But if you've read your Old Testament and you've read your Bible, if you're like me, you read through the Old Testament and you keep seeing Israel do things that they shouldn't do. I mean, God says, don't do this. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yep, yep, won't do it. We're done with it. Won't do that ever. Never going to do it, Lord. Promise. Two chapters later, what are they doing? Exactly what God told them not to do, right? And you see it over and over and over again. You see God doing all these things and all these miracles. And, and you're reading it. And if you're like me, you read the Bible and you're like, how in the world could God do all these things and show them all these miracles? And 
I mean, the hand of God was there, evident for them to see, and yet they still messed it up. And the Lord's like, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like, that's you. And I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. Although the Lord might not be doing these big flashy showy things of nature, uh, he's showing his hand faithful through the Holy Spirit, uh, in my life. And I still let him down sometimes. And, uh, so here's the Lord talking to Israel, Jeremiah chapter number 31, I believe I told you to go to. And uh, look in verse number 33. Jeremiah 31, 33, he says, But this shall be a covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. Now, if you've read Jeremiah, Jeremiah is a tough book. Because Jeremiah just comes to the people of Israel and says, you messed up a whole bunch of times. And let me tell you, judgment's coming. God's not pleased with you. And get right. Uh, in verse number 34, And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Now, Israel, they have a bunch of sins. We can read all about them. They're right there in print. And we can read all those. And, uh, you know, as far as a time period and talking about Bible doctrines and stuff like that, this time is still to be in the future. After the time of Jacob's trouble, when, when he purifies the nation of Israel, after the tribulation time period, he's gonna, he's gonna come back to his people and he's gonna bring Israel back as his chosen people and he's gonna write his laws on their hearts again. And they're not going to have to say, hey, let me teach you about the Lord. They're going to know the Lord. He's going to be ruling on the earth physically. They're going to be able to see him. And they're going to worship him and know what God's law is. And he says, when that when that time's come, when we've been through everything else, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to forget your sin. I'm going to put it in the past. And I'm not going to remember it anymore. That's what happens when you got saved. When you got saved. Now, we're not talking about this, this the same covenant. I want to make that sure clear. We're not talking about the same covenant here that God's going to make with Israel. But when you got saved, turn to Romans chapter number 5. It's easier just to show you a scripture than for me to, you don't have to take my word for it. Romans chapter number 5. <clears throat> Look in verse number 6. Romans chapter 5, verse number 6. When we, he's talking to the church of Rome who have been saved. For when we, he's talking to saved people, were yet without strength. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. <laughs> he says, maybe for a righteous person would somebody die. Yet peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. Well, if you're a pretty good person, maybe somebody would die for you. Look at verse 8. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, we weren't righteous and we weren't good. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Skip down here into verse number 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one, and this is talking about Adam and his sin, by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, that's the second Adam, that's Jesus Christ. The free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. 
For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, that's the obedience of the death of the cross, uh, obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Goes back to what I said earlier about getting saved and God gives you the righteousness of Jesus Christ on your life and he looks down at you as a son, as a daughter, as mankind uh, of, of his, if you're saved and born again, the Lord looks down at you and for, for your eternity, you know what the Lord sees? He looks down and the devil comes up, the accuser of the brethren, and he says, oh, that person's not very good. They're not a very good Christian. And he looks down and he says, I don't know what you mean. The Christian right there, that one. That's not a very good Christian. And the Lord says, all I see is the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now, it doesn't mean you and I are perfect and without sin, right? But how does he view us? He views us in perfection. That's my son right there. All right, Whether he likes it, whether I like it, right? He is my son. And it doesn't matter what happens in this life, doesn't matter what happens to our relationship, he's going to be my son. And say, how do you know? Well, because all you have to do is go get your finger pricked, a little bit of blood on it, and they'll run the test, and guess what? Yep, matches up. He's your son. Now, him and I might get into an argument, or he might disobey, or I might do, might do the wrong thing as a parent sometimes, and our relationship might get at odds. And that, so that doesn't mean we have the greatest fellowship if we're at odds at that moment. But he's still my son. And what happens, sometimes we get at odds with God, but he looks down and he says, no, that's mine. That one right there, that's mine. That one's mine. Why? Because he has the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. Right now, he's being a jerk. <laughs> but that one has the imputed righteousness of my son, Jesus Christ. And what a blessing that is. What a blessing that is. If sins, if your sins are under the blood, then what do you do? Forget about it. Put it behind you. It's hard sometimes for people. It's hard. If you were done wrong and somebody else did you wrong, then okay, then they were wrong and you, you, you got the bad end of the deal. But if you won't let it go and you won't get it right between you and the Lord and you won't forgive them, even if you don't have a relationship and they don't want to mend anything up and, but you're still holding on to it and you won't put it in the past and you won't move on, you're wrong. There's some things that need to be left alone. They need to be put in the past. And, you know, some people say, listen, you don't know what I've done. And uh, that might be true. I might not know. And I don't need to know. There's some things better left in the past and not brought up and talked about. But I understand. Sometimes you let the Lord down. And listen, I, I, as I spent a bunch of my teenage years going a direct opposite way that God wanted me to go. And in my heart. My parents were saved, and my dad pastored for a number of years, and so the rod kept me from outwardly <laughs> doing everything I wanted to do, because I would have gotten a whooping. But inwardly, my heart was turned away from the Lord, and some things happened in our lives, and I didn't think it was fair, and this and that, and all the other excuses. And 
then the Lord was gracious enough to me to allow me to come back to him and say, Lord, I'll, I want to follow your will. I'm done with my will. I want to follow you or whatever you want for me. And he, you know what he was gracious enough to do? Put that in the past and say, okay, let's go forward then. Let's, let's forget about it. And sometimes I'd mope around and be like, I don't know, Lord, I just, I should have been better for you. I should have done this. I should be, I should this, I should that. Lord, I let you down. I did this. I was a bad testimony. And the Lord's like, I don't even, what are you talking about? Let's go forward. Let's go forward and, and, and keep going. And it's hard sometimes. You say, I don't know. I, I, you don't know what I've done. Well, Paul, the writer of Philippians, he killed Christians. Now, I don't know what you've done, but I'm just going to guess because you're sitting here tonight <laughs> that you didn't kill Christians. You weren't murdering people for claiming Christ. And you don't think Paul had something to get over? Sure he did. He says, I'm the, I'm the chiefest of sinners, he says. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the least of any apostle. I don't even deserve the title. I don't deserve any of this. But you know what Paul said he had to do? I have to put some things behind me so that I can go forward. So that I can go forward. And I don't know where you are tonight, but maybe you need to put some things behind you. And forget some things. Because Paul said he was trying to do something. In Philippians chapter 3, verse number 13, he says he was forgetting those things which are behind and he was reaching forth unto those things which are before. He was striving after what God desired for him. He was trying to go forward and reach forward and put his best efforts forward for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he couldn't do that and remember all the stuff in the past. He couldn't do that and dwell on the successes and the revelations that God had given him. He couldn't do that and remember that he was one time arresting Christians and testifying against them that they'd be, that they'd be put to death. He couldn't go forward for Christ if he was just constantly looking in the rearview mirror and constantly turning around to remember, oh, Lord, I'm sorry I ever did that. And he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. In verse 14, he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And let me tell you, that whatever the Lord's asked you to do for him, it's a high calling. It's a high calling. Like what? Like represent his son. We're now ambassadors, biblical term. We're ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. That makes me laugh every time I read it and think about it. I am supposed to be an ambassador for the perfect Son of God, Jesus Christ. What a joke. How, well, how, how could the Lord even think this was a good idea? The Lord says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to save you, and now you're supposed to tell people. And I'm like, whoa, okay, that's a big job. I don't know if I can do that. When you're on the job, when you're wherever you are, wherever you go, you're supposed to represent me. Yeah, well, that's a big task. And the Lord says, you know what I'm going to do with you? I'm going to put you over some teenagers, and you're going to be an influence in their lives, and you're going to do some other things. And I'm like, wow, okay, hold on here. Like, taking care of myself, maybe. Uh, having a family, that's a big responsibility. And now you want to put me in charge of some teenagers to be a represent for you to them? That's a little much. And then as the story goes, the Lord says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make you a pastor. And I'm like, all right. Joke's up. We're done now, right? And the Lord says, nope, you're going to be an ambassador. But what is that? It's not just a pastor. It's everybody. We're an ambassador for Christ. We're carrying the torch for the Lord Jesus Christ in this world. And, and we have a high calling. 
a high calling. Whatever the purpose is for you in this life and the Lord has for you, and if you don't know what it is yet, then keep asking Him and search it out because here's, when you find out what God wants you to do, and I'm not saying it's you know some big thing, I'm saying whatever it is. It could be just a, whatever in your family and where He's called you to go to church and to be in this church and to encourage one another and to witness to the people at your workplace and to give out gospel tracts where you buy groceries. What, that purpose is the best place you can ever be in in this life. There's nothing better. There's no job. There's no paycheck. There's no promotion. There's no fanfare. There's, there's nothing in this life is better than being fulfilling the purpose that God has given you for the time that it, that it is right now. Because that purpose might change. But whatever it is right now, if you're doing what God wants you to do, there's no better place in this life to be than that place. And if you're if you're in that place, in that purpose, and you're you're striving for you're pressing toward the mark. You know what a mark is? In my church, you know, at any given time there's like in a there's a, a large arsenal of weapons <laughs> at any time uh, on the people uh, in my church, right? And so uh, it, it's pretty easy for most of them. A mark is a target. That's what it is. And my pastor in New York, he used to say this, a low aim never hit a high mark. A low aim never hit a high mark. Say, what's the mark? Heaven. We're going there someday. We're going to stand before Jesus Christ. And that's that's the mark. I mean, that's where we're going. We should be walking around, you know. <laughs> I heard somebody say one time, "You don't be so heavenly minded that you know earthly good. I've never met that person if they exist. <laughs> I've never met a person that was so heavenly minded that they weren't any earthly good. No, the more heavenly minded you get, the more you're paying attention, you want people to go with you. And the better Christian that you are. And uh, that's the mark. And so what do we do? Man, the goal is I want to live as at the, at the best I can and I want to aim towards Christ and I want to aim towards heaven. I know because of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's where I'm going when I die. And I want to stand before him someday, and I, I want him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want him to be able to say, you, you, you did better than you did worse. <laughs> and I'll be like, woo, yes. <laughs> Not for my salvation, but when I stand before God someday and say, what did, I, I hope I did something for you. And if we're pressing toward that mark, then we might get a prize. <laughs> he says, uh, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And living this life for the Lord is a high calling. It's a high calling. And no matter what it is. If you're a mother, if you're a stay-at-home mother doing the laundry and praying over your kids and taking care of a husband or doing the best you can for the Lord, that's a high calling. If you're a father that's just trying to raise your family for the Lord and coming to church and trying to be faithful... Uh, if you're if you're a teenager or a young person tonight, and you're just trying to live for the Lord and trying to uh, have some joy and and learn the memory verse for the next Sunday, whatever it is, if you're doing those things, that's a that's a high calling of God, and He's pleased with those things. He's pleased with whatever He's given you to do if you're trying to do it and, and trying to uh, be the the Christian that the Lord wants you to be. It's a high calling. 
And so that's what we should be doing. We should be pressing toward that mark. And in, in order to press towards that mark, you have to leave that stuff behind. You have to leave it back there. When I got to Washington, nobody cared what I did in New York. I'm not even sure anyone still cares what I did in New York. That's not the point. That's not the point. The point is, okay, Lord, this is what you have me doing. This is what you want me to do now. Lord, I need to be the best I can be. I need to be everything that you want me to be. I need your help doing it every single step of the way. And so that was then, and this is now. Lord, help me going forward. Help me to do what you want me to do. It's forgetting those things which are behind. There's some things we need to forget. And if it's hard to forget and you can't forgive yourself, then take it to the Lord. Continue to take it to the Lord. And continue to say, Lord, please help me get victory over this. And I can't leave it alone. And I, I can't I can't uh I can't seem to let it go. Or I or other people aren't letting me let it go. And take it to the Lord and keep taking it to Him. And say, Lord, I wanna I wanna I don't want this to hold me back. And the Lord will help you and the Lord will give you some victories. And uh what isn't isn't the Lord good? Isn't the Lord good? And he gives us little things like this and comes right down to where we live. Paul says, I know some of you aren't, you're not forgetting. There's some things you should be forgetting and you're not forgetting. Paul says, I know because I can still give you the list. I can give you the list, but I've forgotten about it. I've forgotten about it enough to keep moving and to keep going forward. And the Lord's, the Lord is never the one to come down to your shoulder and bring it back up again. That's not the Lord. That's the devil. And you said, Lord, forgive me, please. In tears and in repentance, because when you messed up big, you usually repent big. <laughs> when you mess up big, the tears are coming. Lord, I can't believe it. And the Lord forgives you. And then you keep remembering it. That's not the Lord. That's not the, that's not the, the Lord. That's not the God we serve. That's the devil coming back and saying, you are a failure. And you're right. You're right, devil, I'm a failure, but the Lord's on my side. Run along. <laughs> Go bother somebody else. I got that right with him. And I'll have to face it at the judgment seat, but right now I don't want to let that happen again. All kinds of things in this life that happen. And uh, we need to be able to forget and to keep going forward. And uh, praise the Lord for that. Let's go ahead and pray tonight. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that we can go to you and we can pray and we can draw close to you. We can speak to you. Lord, because of the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, we can enter the throne room and we can go to the throne of grace. Lord, we can do it boldly. And we can barge in and say, Lord, help me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, that can cleanse us from all sin. Thank you, Lord, that you're patient and you're long-suffering and you give us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to serve you, Lord, and you're, you're still faithful to us when we're not faithful to you. And, Lord, you, you give us chance after chance after chance to get up and wipe ourselves off and, and clean ourselves up, Lord, and you give us an opportunity to keep going. And Lord, I thank you for that. And Lord, I pray you be with the people tonight. Lord, I, I honestly don't know what they're going through. I don't know what's happening in their lives. I don't know the burdens that they bear. I don't uh, I don't know what's happening. But Lord, you do. 
and you know everything that's going on and you you're there with compassion and you're there with uh, comfort and lord the goodness of god often leads us to repentance and lord uh, you're you're so gracious and merciful and lord i pray that if there's anyone in here tonight struggling with leaving something in the past lord uh, whether it's just a little bit of pride creeping in and they're they're uh, trying to live today on yesterday's successes or maybe it's uh, some failures that keeps them down and discouraged and uh, lord they don't feel like they can do anything for you or they can never be good enough to serve you lord that you'd give them some victory over that you'd show them from your word Lord, my word doesn't mean anything, but your word, the promises, the precious promises that Peter talks about, Lord, those are, those, those can, we can bank our eternal soul on, on the words of your book. And, uh, Lord, they can give us the victory and the comfort. And, uh, Lord, I pray if there's anyone struggling that you would give them that victory. Lord, you'd give it to them tonight, Lord, that you'd, you'd allow them to just lay it down and in the past and put something, uh, figuratively put something lay it at the altar of prayer lord and then uh, just leave it there and and get up and go on for christ lord thank you for allowing us to do it thank you for giving us something to do for you uh, lord thank you for allowing us to be a witness and a testimony for your son jesus christ and lord help us to be aware that people are dying and going to hell around us and we need to give them the gospel and uh, lord just continue to work in this church and in the people's lives here and lord uh, continue to keep them uh engaged in the preaching and uh, lord keep them encouraged and don't let the the uncertainty of the doctors and the uncertainty of uh what's happening with brother stewart lord uh, discourage anybody or, or let them uh just to find something else to do or let allow them to be faithful and strengthen and strengthen this church and bring put brother stewart back in this pulpit and heal him up and, uh, Lord, we'll give you the praise for it. We'll give you the honor for it. And we'll thank you for it. And, Lord, thank you for this chance to meet tonight. Uh, and bless us now as we go about our ways. In Jesus' name, amen.